Salutations, Protagonist listeners. Producer Andrew here. This week's episode of the Protagonist Podcast might not quite be up to the quality standards that you're used to from us as far as audio goes. There were some discrepancies in our saving and recording and editing this week that have caused maybe a 9% difference from what we're normally used to. We hope you'll forgive us. We believe that this conversation is just too good not to release as is. So hope you enjoy this week's episode on Stranger Things. Uh, I think on that point, we're just going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast. Oh, dear. <laughs> Why oh, do we name this, this thing this? <laughs> the <right>. rural juror. <laughs> please. <laughs> All right. Um. where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joseph Jarowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we're being joined by our special guest, Nick English. Lando. Welcome. Welcome, Nick. Uh, listeners, uh, you may be familiar with Nick from the Fandom Podcast. That's me. Yes. Uh, anything else you want to plug real quick, Nick? Okay, so uh, I'm an artist by trade, So, I've, and I've worked in the movie industry, so maybe it gives me a little more credibility being here. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I have a web, a website, it's nickenglishart.com and my name is spelled N-I-K. There's no C in my name. Um, English like the language and, um, yeah, I'm the fandom podcast. I'm one of the, uh, one of the regulars on the fandom podcast. So if you go and search for it, uh, you can, we, we do an episode every week. So come say hello. I want to say, I want to say two things about Nick. One is that he designed our new amazing logo. Uh, so thank you. I did do that. And the second thing is that uh, Nick was my like personal guide through my first uh, Comic Con, which was really awesome. So we got to <laughs> hang out and take pictures of people, and it was it was totally awesome. So it was a very good time. It was a lot of fun. That was a great day. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Nick, for our discussion about. 11, though we're also going to talk about everyone else, from the amazing Netflix series, Stranger Things. And listeners, if you have not engaged with Stranger Things, you just go stop listening right now and go watch Stranger Things. We'll see you in eight hours. And you can start <laughs> listening to our commentary about it. Well, I, I think we should, before we just send people running off to watch St- Stranger Things, I think we should let, like at least give them some forewarning. This is uh, quite scary. Um, if, you're, if you're scared by things like I am, then uh, this will be... Pretty scary. Pretty scary. I'm going to put this at moderately scary. So depending on your, we call it the, tolerance. Yes, your your, your scary tolerance. Uh, you... Takes up time to build up a tolerance like I have. <laughs> yeah, my tolerance is pretty low, but this is um, this is pretty scary for me. So, but at the same time, it is one that do... uh, once you start watching, even if you are scared, you're probably going to keep watching. When you yes. say that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, how did each of you come to Stranger Things? It's a fairly new show. It first dropped on Netflix, and Netflix drops every episode of the series or of a season, whenever they, they put something out. And it first dropped in July. So how did each of you come to Stranger Things? Go ahead, Nick. So I was um, watching other things, had no idea that this show was coming out, and then social media blew up, and everyone just started talking about this show. And we kind of talked about it on the fandom podcast a little bit. And I was like, I should probably watch this. So I just sat down and watched it. And I loved it. Yeah. It's a great, great series. What about you, Todd? Um, my experience was kind of the same. Like, I heard kind of some stirrings. I saw it show up in my queue, like, uh, you know, things you might like. And I, I thought, oh, that looks, you know, 
interesting. Uh, and then social media blew up. And then my son uh, got really sick and spent a couple days in the hospital, and I was with him. And he was um, he was having a hard time breathing in the night, and I was having a hard time sleeping because because uh, I wanted to watch him. And so Stranger Things kept me up all night. <laughs> and I watched pretty much the whole thing in like two days at the hospital in the night. It was it was yeah. scary, um, but it was it was. So you're watching it in the dark in this scary place. Yeah, worried about my son. Kind of. <laughs> yes. So no wonder you're so terrified of this show. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not quite the same, but uh, we my wife and I we had uh, a child in in July, and we came home, and she's on maternity leave, so we had a little more time for watching things. I said I've seen a lot of discussion on social media about Stranger Things. I hadn't just because of the busyness of childbirth and everything. I hadn't read any reviews of it. I'm just like I've just heard it's really good. Maybe we should try watching that. And I pulled up the description, and it said a missing son, uh, a missing boy, and she said nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're not watching that right now. And a month <laughs> later, she was ready. <laughs> but right when you come home from the hospital with a baby, that maybe is not the time to watch a show about a child abduction. Uh, and <laughs> once we started watching it, we we knocked it out in about three evenings, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, binge-worthy. All right. So uh, as we said, this is a great show. Um, it, you Once you start watching it, you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's kind of, I would describe it as an homage to classic 1980s adventure films, um, particularly ones that are targeting kind of the um, older child demographics of so things like Goonies or even Indiana Jones, that kind of vein. Uh, in the plot, a boy named Will disappears and his young friends search for him while adults search for him and a group of teenagers kind of end up searching for him. And supernatural stuff and government conspiracies and a really awesome soundtrack all follow. I would say more. I would say more like Goonies and ET than I would say Indiana Jones. But yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Though I think there's a couple shots that feel Indiana Jones-ish. There's also one shot that made me really think of Jurassic Park. Like they, they visually are quoting Spielberg oh, yeah, totally. quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I should also say that uh, I watched this in July and then I rewatched the whole entire thing today, um, like skipping <laughs> forward every ten seconds, <laughs> so that I could write this uh, this summary. So it's pretty fresh in my mind right now. So it's become my background show because I love the visual language so much where, like, when I'm entering grades, I'll have it on just so I can glance over periodically and say that is a really well-composed shot. Yeah, it's, it's really, really well made. All right, some trivia about Stranger Things. Like I said, it's a, a Netflix original series that premiered in July. Um, and because it's Netflix, we don't really know the ratings for, like, how many people have actually watched this. But based on the internet, it seems pretty popular. <laughs> Um, at least among at least are, among thirty some thirty thirty something yeah. white guys. <laughs> yes. Well, and and also, I mean, just the the response it got at Comic Con was like crazy. Like, I mean, I don't I don't know if you. I mean, at Salt Lake Comic Con, they had um, eleven. What's her name? Millie Brown, something Millie Brown. Um, she, I mean, there, her line was l- as long as like any of the most famous people that were there. So obviously, it's, and it, it had only been out for a month. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's it's a great show, and I think, yeah, and it's, it's definitely been well media. received. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely not just social media. I, I was gonna say it's not just social media, but like a lot of entertainment websites have been doing many, many, many articles about it um, and talking about it too. So. Um, the Duffer Brothers, who are the creators, so they, they go by the name the Duffer Brothers, but they're twin brothers, Matt and Ross and Todd. They're younger than us. Really? <laughs> they are younger than us, yes. They were born in 85, wow. I think. Like, it was 84 or 85. Um, Young bucks. Yeah. Well, they yes, are younger than I am, too. So. What can I do? 
<laughs> get into that world. Well, you're making this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so what they, have they I made been a DVD movie that was called Hidden, so they wrote the script and it got by Warner Brothers, and they directed that, and it um, went straight to DVD, and then they wrote a couple episodes of the TV series Wayward Pines, which was M. Night Shyamalan was the producer on that for Fox, and then they started pitching the concept for Stranger Things around, and... That's their career wow. right now. That's quite a, <laughs> and sh- quite a, <laughs> yeah. a quick road to the top. <laughs> Sean Levy, who is probably most famous for directing the Night at the Museum movies, he bought the series. Like he heard the pitch and he bought it for his production company. And he and the Duffer Brothers they directed like one of either Sean Levy or the Duffer Brothers directed every episode of the series. Um, and just one other bit of trivia: there's a character in the series named Dustin uh, who has what's called cleidocranial dysplasia, um, where he says in there like his he. He hasn't lost his baby teeth yet. It's his teeth are slow to develop and his bones are slow to develop. The actor who plays him uh, actually has that disease, and they wrote it into the character um, because of the uh, the actor has uh, said that like he he wasn't getting roles because of the disease. And the Duffer Brothers met him. And they're like, nope, you're it. His name is uh, Gaten or Gatton. I'm not sure the pronunciation. Matarazzo. And um, when they were doing the casting, they'd only written the script for the first episode entirely, and so they let like the child actors kind of informed some of the writing, including um, giving the character Dustin. Uh, that He's disease. really great. Oh, he's fantastic. He's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. He's got some of the best lines, like the one-liners <laughs> in the show. So, <laughs> Absolutely. And just like his pure joy at uh, – so there's a character called Eleven who has some superpowers. And his raw joy at the awesomeness of knowing someone with actual superpowers just made me happy every time he was expressing yeah. that. Before Todd gives us our full rundown of Stranger Things that I don't know how long that's going to take, I trust Todd's uh, efforts to just give us what we need to know there. <laughs> because we've had some long summaries in the past. Both of us have written some summaries that – Took a good chunk of the show. But uh, we want to remind our listeners to go to Amazon and go, well, go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon to make all of your Amazon purchases. It is the easiest way for you to help support our show and make sure that we keep the lights on at the Protagonist Podcast headquarters. Uh, it takes nothing out of your pockets, but Amazon slips us a few coins for sending people their way. So, again, please use pr- uh, protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, particularly as we're going to be heading into the holiday season, and some of you may be using Amazon. I hear every year about people using Amazon for their holiday purchases. So if you're one of those people, please consider helping us out a little. Give us some holiday cheer. All right, Todd, you want to give us your summary of Stranger Things? I am ready. Buckle up. Here we go. Episode one, or chapter one, The Vanishing of Will Byers. It's November 1983. Mike, Will, Dustin, and Lucas are best friends. They like to play Dungeons and Dragons. Then one night, after a long campaign, and while riding his bike home, Will Byers is chased by a freaky monster. The monster follows him home where he tries to escape, but he can't. He runs into a shed. He tries to get a gun. The monster enters, and Will disappears. Let me just say one more time, I don't think your little kids should be watching the show. <laughs> um, in the first chapter, Todd, we also... I want to say, the, the creators, the Duffy, uh, Duffer Brothers, they specifically said they hope kids watch the show because we coddle our kids too much. They're kind of in the Neil Gaiman school. That You should be scaring children. Children need to be scared by... Yeah, more. but I mean, like, there's a there's a certain age. My four-year-old was not watching this yeah, with me. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say four-year-old, but maybe a little older than that. Uh, in the first chapter, we also meet Mike's sister, Nancy, who is totally annoyed with her brother's uh, friends. Um, we meet the sad, lonely, alcoholic police off, uh, police chief, Jim Hopper, and Will's overworked, stressed-out mother, Joyce, and his brother, Jonathan, uh, who's a loner. Uh, Joyce realizes in the morning that Will is gone. She goes to the police and tells Hopper. Then we see some t- scientists at a big government lab, and we meet uh, this a scared-looking little girl in a dirty hospital gown, and she sneaks into this restaurant. The owner tries to help her. He calls the authorities uh, so that they can come and pick her up. Um, we see her stop a moving fan with her mind. It's kind of wild. Uh, and then a woman shows up to pick up the little girl, and she kills the restaurant owner, and the little girl runs away. 
inside Will's house. The phone rings. Uh, Joyce picks it up. Uh, Joyce is Will's mom. And she can hear Will's breathing and then the monster growling. And then the phone shocks her. Uh, and Will's friends want to help find him. They ride through the night and they find the little girl from the restaurant in the ring. Uh, chapter two, the weirdo on Maple Street. Uh, they take the little girl to Mike's house. Um, she doesn't talk really at all. Um, and then finally they get her to tell them her name and it is Eleven. So the little girl's name is Eleven. Uh, Hopper is, is still looking for Will. Everyone thinks Joyce is crazy. Um, uh, Nancy's friends, including her preppy boyfriend Steve, invite her to a party. There's going to be no parents and a big house. And they all make fun of Jonathan, who is uh, Will's older brother, who's trying to um, find his, his little brother. Uh, and Nancy looks um, kind of worried, but she tells them she'll be at the party and her, her friend Barb is going to come with her. Uh, everyone keeps. Oh, I love Barb. Everyone We're gonna talk about Barb, Nick. Don't you worry. Oh, we better. I haven't seen this. Everyone, I've heard yeah, about Barb. Our producer Andrew flying in there saying he he knows about Barb. <laughs> everyone keeps looking for uh, for Will. Eleven tells Mike that she knows about Will and that he is hiding. And they say where, and she says he's on the back of the Dungeons and Dragons board. <laughs> and they say um, who is he hiding from, and she says the demo the Demogorgon, which is the monster. Uh, from Dungeons and Dragons, so Jonathan Byers goes into the forest to try to um, to find his brother. It's nighttime. He has his camera with him. He hears some screaming and he runs. And it's a uh, it's the party at Steve's house, and everyone is drinking. And Nancy is there, and um, and Barb is not drinking. Uh, she's she cuts her finger. Uh, everyone goes into the house to do what teenagers do when they're drinking and unsupervised. <laughs> Um, but Barb doesn't have anyone to do that with, and she's not really interested, and so she stays outside um, sitting above the swimming pool. Uh, Jonathan takes some pictures of Nancy and Steve uh, getting intimate through the window, um, and then he sees Barb, and he takes some pictures of her, and then he leaves, and then uh, Barb is uh, taken by the Demogorgon, the monster. Uh, in the buyer's homes, the lights are starting to flicker, uh, and Joyce thinks that it's Will talking to her. Chapter 3... Holly Jolly. Uh, Barb wakes up in a world that looks like a dark opposite of our world. There's this weird kind of fungus floating in the air. The monster chases her and catches her. Uh, Joyce tells Jonathan that Will is trying to talk to her through the lights. He doesn't believe her. He thinks she's crazy. And I just have to say, Winona Ryder does a magnificent, like, coming unhinged mother. So good. Um, her performance is outstanding, and she is really at the end of her rope, and which is why nobody believes her. Um, <laughs> Hopper checks out this government laboratory that's that's in town or just outside of town. Um, they they kind of try to tell him there's nothing there. He knows they're lying. He goes to the library, and he starts digging around the newspaper record and finding out that this lab seems to have a lot of um, mystery surrounding it. Uh, Steve takes uh, Jonathan's pictures. He finds Jonathan's pictures that he took of the night of the party, and he rips them up, and he breaks the camera. Nancy's embarrassed about her boyfriend's behavior. She notices that Jonathan had pictures of Barb as well, and she's she's worried about Barb because uh, Barb didn't show up the next morning. Um, and so she takes a picture of Barb that was kind of ripped up, and she leaves. Uh, Joyce now is stringing Christmas lights all over her house, and when she talks to Will, they light up. Uh, and she finds a way to communicate with him. Uh, she says, if you, can, if you can understand me, then blink once for yes and twice for no. And she says, are you alive? And it, he blinks yes. And then she says, uh, are you safe? And the lights blink no. Which, okay, and then, I have to say, her talking to Christmas lights was so moving. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. So she gets out these uh, paints and she paints letters on the wall, and she hangs the Christmas lights over each letter. And then she says, okay, where are you? And he starts answering. The lights start flashing, are 
I G H T H E R E. Right here, right here, you're right here. And then she says, How can I find you? And then he tells her, R U N. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I'm getting chills just thinking about this. Uh, and then she sees the monster starting to climb out of the wall. Like, 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 the like wall, pushing through yeah. the wallpaper and coming out of the wall. And so she runs out of the house. Mike and his friends follow Eleven into the forest and she leads them to Will's house. And they're mad at her because they're like, You said you could find Will and now you've just taken us to Will's house and we know that Will is not at Will's house. Except now we know that Will is in Will's house, uh, but we can't see him. And so then they see a bunch of police cars, and they chase, uh, they get on their bikes, and they ride out uh, to this lake, and the poli- they see the police pull Will's body out of the lake. Chapter 4, The Body. Uh, Harper, Hopper goes to Joyce's house uh, to tell her that they found Will. He sees that this is, like, absolute crazy town. Because <laughs> their house is just strung with Christmas lights everywhere. It's full with Christmas lights. All the letters are on the wall. <laughs> And she's, like, completely unhung at this point. Uh, She describes this monster to Hopper. Um, She says it didn't have a face. Uh, And then the police get there, and she grabs this axe, and she just sits on the couch, like, like, she's just waiting for the monster to come back. She's waiting for Will to talk to her again. Uh, Mike is now really mad at Eleven, um, and he kind of chews her out. And then she takes this radio, like, these big walkie-talkie radios, and she uses her mind to enhance what, like, the frequency or something, and uh, Mike can hear Will singing through the radio. And so they know that Will is alive, and that Eleven really can help them uh, find her. So the boys dress Eleven up like a girl so that they can... Okay, she's um, a girl, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't describe her very well. The first time that we that we see her, her head is shaved, and she actually looks, she looks very boyish. She's a very young girl, and she looks very boyish. She has her hair cut very short. Um, and so they put a wig on her and they put her in a dress so that they can take her into the school because they want to use, like, the ham radio that's there. The, the, the science teacher has a, a more high-powered radio. And they think if they use that, then Eleven will be able to find Will. Yeah, and they – So back at the yeah, government – love – Go ahead. They love that they can talk to Australia. <laughs> yes. On the, on the ham radio. And the first question that Dustin asks is, do you eat kangaroos for breakfast? <laughs> Dustin gets the best <laughs> lines in the show. Have you ever had kangaroos? So, I can't say as I have. You know what? I'm on this really crazy diet right now because I have this um, strange condition. And, and so I can really eat almost nothing except they gave me a list of foods that I can eat. And they're like, no, you shouldn't feel bad. You can eat all kinds of yummy food. And on the list is kangaroo. <laughs> I'm like, kangaroo shouldn't even take advantage kangaroo of Kangaroo shouldn't even Where are you going to find that? Uh, I bought I I kangaroo. You ordered that on Amazon? They had it at like the Costco. Well, I haven't found kangaroo yet. They don't sell it at Walmart. It tastes exactly ah, like you'd expect. Gotta go to Costco expect. to get some kangaroo. They don't sell it at Walmart, and they don't sell it at Costco. So no, I haven't eaten kangaroo yet. But it's on the list of things I can eat. So if I'm ever at a restaurant and there's kangaroo on the menu, Indulge. I know it's safe. <laughs> Wonder if they have that like at Rodizio Grill during their like wild game, <laughs> like week or what? Uh, Maybe you should call them and find out when that is. Um, at back at the government lab. <clears throat> Back at the government lab, the 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 bad men. We're just going to call them the bad men. These are the bad men, and there's one woman, <laughs> the bad men, and one woman. Uh, they send a scientist uh, with a gun uh, through this like creepy portal thing. He's in a hazmat suit. He goes in through this creepy portal, and he gets eaten promptly by the Demogorgon. <laughs> um, the police it's, it's are the asking. Okay, I'm going to start describing the scene. You all know what I'm talking about. Where he was attached to this big reel, and they start reeling it back in. And guess what comes through? <laughs> It's, it's not a person. It's just the, the end of the reel. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the police are now asking Nancy about Barb. She feels terrible about everything. She goes home and she pieces the picture together, and she sees this, like, shadow of the faceless monster in the dark behind Barb. So when when uh, 
Jonathan was taking pictures, and he took a picture of Barb. He didn't know, but he actually took a, a picture of, of the monster, the Demogorgon. So there's an assembly at school, and a couple of bullies try to pick on Mike, and Eleven makes one of them wet his pants with her mind. Um, and then uh, Na- one, of the, one of the best lines by Dustin as well. What is he saying? Is that my my friend has superpowers and she made and she squeezed your tiny bladder. <laughs> so uh, Nancy finds Jonathan and she tells him about the picture. And now a couple of things happen kind of simultaneously. So Joyce is in the house and she hears Will's voice and she goes over to the wall and she peels back the wallpaper and she can see him through this like membrane. It looks like he's inside of a like an embryonic sac or something. And uh, he tells her. That he's, she says, where are you? Where are you? And he says, I'm right here. It's a place. It's like home, but it's really cold and dark. And meanwhile, Mike and all of his friends can hear this conversation on the ham radio at school. Um, and the monster comes while, while Joyce is talking to Will. The, the monster is coming. You kind of see like the silhouette of the monster. And she tells Will, run, run, run. I will find you, but run. And then she grabs an axe and chops a hole through the wall. And there's nothing on the other side. It's just the, it's just the outside of her house. Um, she is a very frustrated. She's a very frustrated woman at this point. Um, Nancy and Jonathan have a little moment in this dark room where they're enlarging the picture because, yes, kids, this is this is 1983 and this is not a digital. Did it just say zoom at the computer it. screen? <laughs> yeah, um, he actually has to develop the photos in a dark room, and so that he he enlarges the picture and lightens it, and then they can see the monster, and they think that Barbara and Will might be alive. Uh, then Harper breaks into the morgue and he, he grabs his knife and he cuts open Will's body and it's full of cotton. And, uh, and so he knows that <laughs> Andrew, are you listening his to this? His face is priceless right now. So our producer, Andrew <laughs> has not watched stranger things listeners. Uh, <laughs> so this is his first so... exposure to the strange things and stranger things. Oh man. So he cuts open the body and it's full of cotton. So now he knows that Will's body is fake. And now he goes and, and tries to break into the lab. Uh, the government lab. Chapter 5, The Flea and the Acrobat. Mike and his friends realize that Will is stuck in the Upside Down. We're going to call this the Upside Down. It's a world just like ours, but it's dark and cold and empty. It's a dark reflection or echo of our world, a place of decay and death. That's a quote from the Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, is that the one the, the teacher uh, says? Uh, this is uh, Dustin oh, okay. reading out of the, du- right. the Dungeons and Dragons book. Um, so then they have a funeral for Will, um, even though... I mean, everybody thinks that he's dead, except for the, the people that know that he's not. So afterwards, the boys ask their nerdy science teacher about alternate dimensions, and he tells them that to go to the Upside Down, they would have to have a massive amount of energy and punch a hole into the okay, other dimension. This is one of my favorite moments in the series, is they ask the teacher, what's the name of the dimension Dungeons and Dragons? The Necro something? Oh, yeah, it's called the the Veil of Shadows. Oh, yeah, they're like, do you know the Veil of Shadows? And he just rattles off almost word for word what the Dungeons & Dragons manual. <laughs> I love <laughs> the science teacher he, in this. He is so great. And he, he says it so straight. And then when they ask, like, how would we get there? And just, again, perfectly straight. But he's like, here's the scientific reasoning, boys. <laughs> it's like, theoretically. And they say the word theoretically like 17 times in that conversation. Well, and and then the other part that is great is that when the science teacher is explaining this to him, he's on a date. Sitting with a girl, showing her a horror movie. No, that, that's later on, isn't on, it? Is that yeah, later that's, on? That's no, the, I thought it was when the, he described uh, this. The sensory so. deprivation thing. Oh, it's at the very yeah. That's a very oh yeah, yeah. Night, this yeah. is the okay, this is you. after the funeral. Okay. This is at the end of the funeral, like at the oh at the yeah. Open. Okay, just a lot of great moments. So, so Eleven tells the boys that she can lead them to Will. Um, but then she leads them on this wild goose chase. She tells them like they 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 realize that they can use their compasses because this portal has such a strong 
uh, electromagnetic field that it's it um, it's messing with our compasses. So they they think, oh, if we just follow our compasses, it will lead us to the thing. Uh, but but Eleven uses her mind and messes up their compasses and leaves them on this wild goose chase. And when they realize, they get really mad at her, and she says, it's not safe. Like, they shouldn't be looking for Will because it's a dangerous thing. Um, Lucas is especially angry, and he starts to fight with Mike, and Eleven throws him, like, across this junkyard with her mind. And then she runs away, and then Lucas runs away because he's really mad. Uh, Hopper goes to talk with Joyce, and now he's totally paranoid. And he tells Joyce that Will's body was a fake. So now Joyce and Hopper are kind of together. Right. They're both in real quick. Another great moment for like just unexpected comedy out of nowhere. So Hopper discovered a bug in one of the light bulbs in his in his house, and so when he goes to see Joyce, he wants to check her house for bugs. <laughs> and he opens the door, <laughs> yeah, and he sees Christmas lights strung over the entire house, like thousands of Christmas lights, and he's like, I'm gonna check every one of those. <laughs> so he so he has to unscrew every single Christmas light to check that it's not bugged. And when he finishes, he's totally exhausted. <laughs> it's really great. It's a it's great acting and as well as like uh, great writing. So um, Nancy and jo- Nancy and Jonathan decide to go into the woods in the night to look for the Demogorgon, and they have a gun and a baseball bat, and they find this injured deer. It's been hit by a car, and Nancy wants to put it out of its misery, but they they turn their back on it for a second, and the monster comes and takes the deer when they're not looking. So they know the monster's in the forest. So then they split up like idiots. Classic 80s horror <laughs> techniques. And they're walking through this dark forest, and you can hear the monster, like, growling. And uh, and Nancy finds, like, a portal in the bottom of this tree trunk, and she crawls through it. And now she's in the upside down. She's in the other dimension. <laughs> and she looks, and she sees the monster eating this, eating the deer in this kind of, like, Voldemort sucking the, the unicorn blood scene. <laughs> and she screams, and Jonathan hears her. End of the chapter now. Chapter 6, The Monster. So now there's this terrifying scene where Jonathan and Nancy are screaming at each other, and they're both in the same place, but they can't see each other because they're in different dimensions. And then Jonathan finds the portal, and he calls to Nancy, and the monster is, like, right on top of her. She's hiding behind tree trunks, and the monster is, like, like right behind her, and it can – oh, my gosh, it's terrifying. Uh, and then she, she sees the portal, and Jonathan says, run to my voice, run to my voice, and she runs, and she pushes her hand out, and Jonathan pulls her out, and then the tree grows back over the portal, so she's safe. And now, like, I'm no longer breathing at this point. This is <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Uh, Jonathan spends the night at Nancy's house, um, not in an intimate way, but in a completely platonic, like, we're both scared out of our wits, and we need each other. So he spends the night there, um, but Steve sees them through the window and misinterprets what's going on. Um, and then uh, Nancy and Jonathan realize that the monster is a hunter, it's a predator, and that it can smell blood, because it could smell Barb's blood, because she cut herself, that's why she got taken, and the deer blood. So they wa- <laughs> they decide they want to test their theory. Um Mike and Lucas are still fighting, and they won't talk to each other. Um, Dustin and Mike want Lucas to help find uh, help them find Eleven. Uh, Lucas wants to go find the gate and find Will. He's done with Eleven. He's he's scared of her. Um, Eleven is now on her own. She's totally dirty, but she's still wearing this little pink dress <laughs> and these uh, like tube tube socks with the, the with the horizontal <laughs> the stripes, stripes yeah. on them. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and then she walks in this uh, grocery store. She takes some Eggo waffles, which is her favorite food. And like at this point, I feel I feel like I should mention that Eleven is constantly having flashbacks of when she was in the government lab, and um, she was being trained to use her mind to like reach across the world and listen in on people's conversations. Is that right? Yeah, like Cold War espionage kind of. Yes. Somehow we're going to use supernatural powers to help out with the Cold War. And they're constantly 
talking about the communists. So, I mean, right. it kind of all ties together. Yeah. So they put her in this um, sensory deprivation tank where she f- – and when she goes in there, she's on like a, a – in a different dimension, not in the upside down, but like in a – like the astral plane or something. Like she's just in this in this black void. It's like the big white matrix, but it's black instead. <laughs> yeah. And when she's in there, that's when she first makes contact with the Demogorgon. Like she sees the monster in there. Um, and, and the, the guy that's in charge of her, the, like her handler at the, at the lab, he makes her go back into the tank, um, to, to make contact with the, with the monster. So Hopper in his investigations had found that there was a woman called Terry Ives who had lost her daughter, Jane, years earlier. And so they go to, he and Hopper and uh, Joyce go to find her and her mind is completely gone. And her sister tells her that Terry had volunteered for experiments with the government and the government had uh, pumped her full of drugs and experimented on her, and she had been pregnant at the time, and um, and that she had miscarried, and now she's just completely crazy. Uh, but um, but Terry, who is the mom of this baby, she believes that her daughter had special abilities. So she says, my daughter was born, my daughter had special abilities, and the government took her. But all of the records say that the baby wasn't born, that it was a, a miscarriage. But we know that Jane, the baby, is really 11. So meanwhile, Jonathan and Steve get in this huge fist fight, and Jonathan beats Steve to a pulp, and he and Nancy get hauled off to jail. Uh, Lucas, um, he gears up, he gears up, and he decides to follow his compass. So he's alone, and he's going to go try to find the portal, and um, and he follows the, his compass to the government lab. Mike and Dustin, meanwhile, go to the lake um, by the quarry where they had found Will's body, and those two bullies show up, and one of them pulls a knife on Dustin. And he tells Mike that he's going to cut out his teeth if uh, if Mike won't jump off a cliff. And this is a like a an enormously high cliff. <laughs> and uh, and so Mike goes over to the edge of the cliff and he jumps. And then Eleven comes uh, and saves him in midair. She floats him back up and lands him on the ground. And then she breaks the bully's arm with her mind. And then she tells them to go. This is um, and they run away. It's a great hero shot because it's her walking up in like the nineteen so eighties thin windbreaker over the pink dress with the, the it's tube so socks. Awesome. And she's just got the the angry look, but and she just marches up and it's the hero music is swelling. And so it's this great com- confluence of weird <laughs> imagery. Uh but it's like awesome. you're rooting for it. It's so great. So and then Eleven flashes back again, and we see the, um, when when she when she contacted like when she actually touched the Demog- the Demogorgon in the deprivation tank, that was what opened the portal to the upside down. And so she tells Mike that she is the monster because she's the one that opened the portal. She feels very guilty about this. So the bad guys find out that Mike knows about the gate, and they send all these vans after them. Chapter seven, the bathtub. We're getting we're we're winding into the I mean, we're we're like coming down the home stretch now. So Lucas calls and tells Mike, Dustin, and Eleven that the bad men are coming because he followed his compass to the lab, and he sees all these vans going out of the lab, and he makes the connection that they're going to go after Mike, Dustin, and Eleven. So the those three hop on their bikes, and they're riding like crazy, and then we get this great, like, E.T., the government agents are chasing the kids on their bikes. Yeah, the headlamps on their bikes. And, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're closing in, and then Eleven flips one of the vans with her mind, and they, they get away, and they escape to a junkyard. Um, and then meanwhile, back at the police station, the bully who had his arm broken by 11, he comes in with his mom and he makes a statement to the police and Hopper hears it. And now, now he gets it right. Because, uh, the bully tells him about Mike and Dustin and Lucas. And, uh, and so, uh, then we get Steve is now, um, arguing with his friends and he's defending Nancy. He feels bad about the way that he treated her. Uh, Hopper goes to Mike's house 
Um, does he go to Mike's house? Somehow he gets his hand on a Nancy gets his her hands on the radio to call her brother, and um, they so Nancy and Hopper call Mike and the rest of the gang on the radio, and they're hiding out inside of this bus in the junkyard because the agents are still chasing them, and uh, and then Mike answers the thing, and then Hopper goes and he saves them from the from the agents. I don't know if I explained that well enough, but anyway, they're all safe and they're all together now. So they meet up at the buyer's house that night. And the boys explain everything to Hopper and Joyce and Jonathan and Nancy. Uh, and Eleven tries to find Will and Barb with the radio again, but she can't. Um, and they realize they need to build a sensory deprivation tank. So they call their teacher again, and this is that funny scene where he's watching a horror movie with his date, and he's just so excited to tell the boys how, in theory, you could make a sensory deprivation tank. Well, at first he tries to beg them off about uh... – because he's like, I'm on a date. And then Dustin yells. He's like, you tell us to never shut a door of curiosity. Why are you locking this curiosity door? And then the teacher starts explaining everything in detail. <laughs> um, so they get a load of salt, like a ton of salt and a, and a pool. And they fill up the pool with salt. It's, and they it's a kiddie pool. It's a tiny pool. It's not a at, huge pool. At the school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Eleven goes uh, goes into this like astral plane place, and she f- finds Barb, who let's just say is very very dead. Um, and this is, uh, yeah, a great tragedy. <laughs> it's a great tragedy, but great... it is um, it's horrific. I mean, her body is she's very dead. Uh, and then um, and then Eleven sees Will hiding in a fort near his house. So now Hopper and Joyce leave. And they get themselves caught at the government lab. And then and the boys in Eleven and Jonathan and Nancy are still at the school. Chapter 8, this is the final chapter. It's called The Upside Down. So now Jonathan Nance and Nancy leave the boys and Eleven at the school, and they go to the buyer's house where they set a trap, a bear trap, to try to catch and kill the Demogorgon. Uh, Hopper makes a deal with the government people, and he tells them that he'll tell them where the kids are, where Eleven is, and they will keep uh, – and that he will keep everything a secret, but they have to let him and jo- Joyce go in through the, in through the portal. So now um, Nancy and Jonathan are at the house, and they've set this bear trap. We have to talk they- about we have to talk about when they're getting all the stuff for the trap. <laughs> Go ahead. Because they walk into <laughs> they walk into the hardware store, and they're picking up like lighter fluid and like nails and, and like all of these Nancy and, you is know, just traps like and stuff. The classic suburban white girl and tiny, <laughs> and she's like dropping these things on the counter and looking at the salesman. And the salesman's like <laughs> looking at him just shifty eyed and then he's like hey what are you guys gonna do with this and she says uh we're going monster hunting and he's like okay <laughs> and he just sells them the stuff and you're like okay like, it's it- awesome so the- so they're at the house and they've got it all prepared for this trap and and it's very intense and then there's this knock on the door and it's steve the boyfriend and he's like i want to talk this out you know like let's talk and then he's worst timing <laughs> worst ever timing ever and, uh, I mean, this is like, uh, yeah, this is like Juliet proposing to Sean Spencer, worst timing ever. I mean, it's really bad. And, uh, and Steve has no clue what's going on about the monster or anything. And he, he bursts into the house and he's like, what's going on? Cause he sees all like the gun and the, and the baseball bat with all the nails nailed into it. And Nancy says, Steve, get out of here. Or I'll shoot you. <laughs> and, and he's like, wait, what, what's going on? And then the lights start flickering. The Demogorgon is there. So it bursts through the ceiling. Steve is freaking out right now. Uh, the, the monster chases them, in, and they run down the hallway, and they get in this bedroom, but then the monster disappears before it gets caught in the trap. So it's just gone. They don't know where it's gone. 
And now Steve is ready to like wet his pants uh, with fear, and he runs out uh, and to get in his car. And now Jonathan and Nancy stay in the house, and Steve looks back at the house as he's getting in his car, and the lights start flickering again. Uh, the monster come back. It attacks them. Nancy empties the pistol into the monster. It doesn't die. Uh, and then it attacks Jonathan. It knocks him down. It looks like lights out for Jonathan at this point. And then Steve comes back in and picks up the baseball bat, and he beats the monster with it. Uh, and then and then the monster gets caught in the bear trap, and they've soaked the, the carpet with gasoline, and it uh, and they burn it. And then they put the fire out, and the Demogorgon is gone, so they think they've killed it. Um, Meanwhile, back at the school, all the bad men show up to get Eleven, and Eleven liquidates their brains with her mind. <laughs> and it's, it's such is... a cool scene, because she's sitting there, and they're all, like, they've all got their, like, guns on her, and they say, hey, and then she just kind of focuses, and all of a sudden, all of their eyes start bleeding, and they all fall down at the same uh, but time. But this produces a lot of blood, which we know now uh, calls the Demogorgon. So yes. he comes and kills all the bad men. The kids run away. They, they get in this... Um, in this classroom, and Eleven is unconscious. They lay her on this table, and then the monster appears, and it's ready to eat them, and then Lucas pulls out a rock, and he puts it in his wrist rocket, and he sh- he shoots the monster in the mouth, and the monster just goes flying back and gets pinned against the wall, and then we get this other amazing hero shot of Eleven, and she's just completely wasted at this point. Like, she's got blood coming out of her ear and out of her nose, and she's completely exhausted, but she all it's this amazing like combination of she's completely wrung out, but she's also just incredibly strong. And she looks back at Mike and she says goodbye. And then she walks right up to the monster and she says no more. And then she disintegrates it with her, with her mind and she disappears. Yeah, so, and so then, just to make it like the monster, like all this ash kind of flows off the monster, but when that ash settles settles, she's gone. Eleven is gone. In the Upside Down, Hopper and Joyce uh, find Will, and he isn't breathing, and they bring him back with CPR, and they get him home. Everyone reunites in the hospital. The boys are all happy. It's this amazing um, adventure that they've had. They're all just, like, so excited, and they're telling Will about how uh, how uh, Eleven liquefied everybody's brains, and they just think it's so cool. Um, and then Hopper sneaks out the back, and a dark car comes and picks him up. And then one month later, the boys are all celebrating another victorious Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Jonathan comes and picks up Will. Nancy gives Jonathan a new camera. Everyone looks really happy. Um, Hopper goes into the forest and opens up this box, and he leaves Eggo waffles in the box, which is Eleven's favorite food. So mm-hmm, maybe she's still around. And uh, the family is sitting down for a dinner at the buyer's house, and Will um, says, "Oh, I need to go wash my hands." And he goes in the bathroom, and he coughs up. This creepy-looking leech thing that was inside of him. And then he has this vision, like, it, it, it flashes, and he's in the Upside Down in his bathroom, but it's all, you know, dark with the, with the spores, like, flo- floating around. And then it kind of flashes back, and he's in, in his regular bathroom. And then he goes, and he sits at the table, and his mom says, Are you okay? And he says, yep, everything's fine. Roll credits. The end. Todd, that was very impressive to summarize eight hours of Netflix television that way. He just left the leech there? I went down the drain of the same. It went down the drain. Yeah, but I should—I would say that it's the same leech that was crawling out of Barb's mouth and eyes when we see her dead cadaver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's clearly something it's, from. It's monstery. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's way baby. creepy. It's got the—it's got the dark gooeyness. Yeah, that is is clearly part of. Hey, you know, the scary. Hey places, guys. So, I'm pissed about Barb. <laughs> <laughs> 
she did transgress. They're not following the standard horror movie rules. Yeah, you're supposed to kill. No, you kill the transgressing not. teenagers. Survivors are the righteous. Uh, it's just yeah. like Jurassic World with that babysitter. She wasn't that bad. She didn't deserve that death. <laughs> she wasn't responsible for this terrible park that's killing innocent people. Bryce Dallas Howard shouldn't get a walk away from that hangar. <laughs> All right, so yeah, this was me. One of my first questions was, "What character do you think has been written about more than any other character in all of Stranger Things?" Is it Barb? Really? Why did Why did Barb have to Bar- die? All right, so just real quick, a little data about this. This is from an article from a website called The Ringer. Ah, with Bill Simmons. And yes, I know. it was one of yes, the, oh, one of the Bill Simmons. What, what did they write about it? How many How many words did they dedicate to Barb? Well, they said uh, they were sitting around the office, and this is uh, the writer for this is Jason Concepcion. Is that they were thinking like, can we write something else about Barb? And then they said, well, what has everything really been written about Barb that needs to be written about? And so then they started to research this, and they said, okay. Um, they, they created a stat that they call cups or content units per scene. Because how many scenes of Stranger Things do you think Barb is in? Like three. She's, she's in the scene like at the school. In the whole show. Like maybe and ten. she's in the scene at the party. Yeah. And she they may she may be in the car when they're does like... Her, does her body count? Yeah. So in and then she's, six scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then she's in the pool in the upside down. And then uh-huh. she's in the, and then we see her dead body. So yeah, I would say six. Yeah, so she's in six scenes. So just to make the stat of uh, cups, they use the formula of Google News hits. So they do a Google News search, and then they divide that by the total screen appearances. So for Barb, it's divided by six. Her cups rank is thirty-seven thousand because she's in six scenes, but there are two hundred thousand articles about her wow. online in Google is, is News. Is there hits. a comparable character so we can get a, an idea of uh, someone else's? Like eleven? They argue for the uh, no. Like they said, there's more about her than any other character. No, but I mean. Like, well, I, I want a comparison of, like, how many scenes was Eleven in? Oh, versus... they, they, they didn't give us that in this quick article. But they're just kind of saying the internet ha- is obsessed with Barb, even though she's barely in Stranger so Things. What's, so what's the obsession with Barb? I think part of it is what uh, Andrew said. Like, she's the good friend, and usually those survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the, the, teens, the teens that are transgressing get punished. Well, and here's, here's the other thing that, um, that, that I have kind of surmised, is that they're following a very uh, traditional horror movie, you know, theme in this entire show and one of the things that is very apparent is that nancy is very much a character that has been written a lot of times in a lot of different shows she is the girl next door you know like wes craven was one of the like number one people that like used to write this but like molly ringwald she was a classic like 16 mm-hmm. candles like i'm kind of the nerdy you know girl and then um you know i I, I became a, yeah. Well, Steve even tells her when they're at the party and he he um, he punches a hole in the beer and then he drinks it all. And she says, you are such a cliche. And he says, no, you are a cliche. <laughs> yeah, and so, <laughs> and yeah, they really so, are so, both cliches. So what, so what <laughs> normally happens in a show like this is that the best friend is usually this pretty random girl that, you know, is her best friend and they're, you know, the popular girls. Well, the thing that people have really latched onto with with Barb is that she's not, she's not the pretty girl, but yet she has a head on her shoulders more than this flighty little Nancy girl. And so the, the obsession is, is that everyone thinks that they're a Nancy, right. but we're really all just Barbara's. We're all just Barb's. And so like, there's a Twitter handle that says, I'm a Barb. You're, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I'm a Barbara because how many people are going to react the way that Barbara did? Like, did you buy a new bra? Like you're an idiot. You you shouldn't like this guy. Like you're you're like she's the voice of reason in this show, and that's something that 
is lacking from the majority uh-huh. of 80s movies. Like 80s movies generally are like, yes, let's just do whatever that, you know, we want. And then and so and so people are like, okay, she's not pretty. She's the <laughs> voice of reason and she, and people really latched onto that. And and you know, we live in a world right now where we don't like the clichés. Like w- we like the individuality and people are like, well, she was totally yeah. headstrong. She was totally herself. And unfortunately, why did she have to die? Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I think one other thing is um, her story doesn't feel complete. Like she's dead. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. like the entire town <laughs> yes. puts out massive search parties for Will. And it's barely noticed that Barb has also disappeared and is actually dead. Like Will comes back from the dead and we're right. given no in- indication as to like, how does the town react to this? Because they held a funeral for that boy. His yeah. body was buried. Well, they and, say and like, they like say the that. The explanation is that the the police the state police officers say the that they found her car at the bus station, and they think she ran away. Which... And so they say, "Yep, she ran away. We knew it. Uh, they found her at the bus station." And then but... and then the deputies um, they tell Hopper, they say, "Man, those state troopers they seem to just be doing our job because they found Will, then they found Barb's car, and then this is when he's getting really paranoid." And he says, "Yeah, it looks like they are," and he knows that they're in cahoots with the with the bad men. Right, but I just think it feels with all the stress that Will's disappearance gives, if Barb feels very, very slighted. And so yeah. as an as an audience, it feels like, is anyone gonna do anything about this? Well, and the creators of the show have actually been bombarded and, and I mean bombarded by letters no, about no this. Doubt. Like and so they actually came out and they said, Okay, we had no idea that Barbara would be a popular character when we wrote this yeah. show. Like we we had no idea the impact that she would have on on, on our viewers. And so they said that in the second season, which is going to happen, that they're going to address Not bring her back. She's dead, so, I think. But she is very dead. Yeah, but but they will address what was going on. Yeah, well. But we don't they, know what that That's all they said. Like. They said, we're, we're going to address it. You know, and maybe, you know what? Maybe the Demogorgon likes to... Uh, you know, clone people. I don't Maybe know. Maybe she I mean, there's is so many the new Demogorgon. <laughs> but one theory I've seen floating around is that who Eleven knows? is a Demogorgon. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh man. Okay, we got to keep going. <laughs> I might need to watch this thing. <laughs> did I do it? Did I do it like enough justice oh, that you're yes. interested in this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I was having facial reactions. You, you an excellent raconteur. <laughs> <laughs> So, so part of the reason that this story is so good is because a lot of the times with horror, one thing that makes it interesting is if you do not know anything that's going on. Like the fear of the unknown is more enticing and more nerve wracking than if they had just shown the Demogorgon like in the second episode. Like the entire time you're like, what is, what is going on? And I think they so beautifully like take you step by step in a way that it's not just too revealing that, um, that it, it leads into that anticipation. And some of the best, and I would say the best horror shows recognize that. And then, you know, in the big reveal, it's enough, you know, it's enough satisfying that you're like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Right. But you, we still don't know anything about this, this world. Like, and we're still like on pins and needles and talking about it. And that's part of the reason that it's just so enticing and so good. Sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. Yeah, I think we, well, we talked about, um, kind of the magic of, of Harry Potter and how a Harry Potter book would come out and especially towards the end of that series, how everyone was debating, you know, is Snape good? Is Snape bad? What happened with Dumbledore? 
And this is this is absolutely the kind of thing that you can like gather around the water cooler and just say, you know, like so eleven, what's up with that? You know? <laughs> or like okay. what what's well, Hopper up to now? Alright, I want to ask this question about eleven. If she's eleven, who are one through ten? Yeah. The failed experience. <laughs> they talk about it um a little bit in in the show. They talk about how um they were taking children mm-hmm. from you know the you know the government or who you know whatever we call them uh, were taking children and that she was the only one. Were they that was taking successful. children or were they taking? Because weren't they taking like the mom, like Terry? They were taking them and drugging yeah. them up, and none of that worked. But, but eleven worked know. because she was the baby. She was pregnant while That's she was right. being experimented yeah. on. So she's. I mean, like she's a. She's a. You know, like how old is she? Eleven. All the all these kids are in like, like the age they, range of now. They know if they drug a. If they drug a mother, they yeah, can get an like 11. 10. But I'm wondering if in the next season we might see something with one of the 1 through 10 somehow playing in. Also, like, cool. like this idea of the speculation, like when they were walking through the Upside Down, I'm like, was that an egg? I think that was a hashtag. It was an egg. Yeah, it was a hashtag. <laughs> so even though this Demogorgon is gone, they've definitely left multiple avenues where it fits perfectly for them to continue. Yeah, I would say, like, my uh, my theory uh, is that 10 would be, Terry, would be... Um, 11's mom, and that 1 through 10 were the women that they that they were experimenting on, that 11 was the first one that worked. Mm. But that's my, I mean, <laughs> like, what do I know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but, it, but it really, like, the end, it's such a satisfying show because this first season, it works as a story. Like, it's a, it's a full, complete arc. Um, Will disappears in the beginning. He gets uh, saved in the end. They start it with, uh, with the Dungeons & Dragons campaign, um, they finish it with the Dungeons and Dragons campaign, but in the first campaign, when the when the demogorgon the demogorgon is the name of the monster in the in the D and D game that they're playing, and when Mike says it's the demogorgon, um, Will is debating back and forth. They say cast a protection spell. No, th- use your fireballs. No, do protection. No, do fireballs. So it's like play it safe or, you know, like go big, and uh, and eventually, Will he casts a fireball and he and he loses. Um, and then and then he leaves and then he gets he gets uh, abducted by the monster. In the at the end, it's a different monster, and they all the boys look at each other and they say fireball. Like there's no there's no way that any of those boys is gonna play it safe. Like they've they've gone through this transformation, right? Now there's no there's no debate. They they um, they're Jedi, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're completely illuminated. So yeah, it's been this whole. They've gone through this whole <laughs> progression. Shoot it, rocks. It's a fully complete. Shoot rocks. <laughs> Uh, like hero's journey, but then they leave all these little they leave all these little crumbs at the end that leave you going, oh my gosh! Like they my they didn't solve anything. What about the little leech that he coughs up? What about uh, what about Hopper? Where's Eleven? Like and it just sets itself up perfectly for a second season while leaving the first season completely satisfying. It's awesome. And they even reference that in that final Dungeons and Dragons because they finish the campaign and they win, but then they start saying, like, what about all these things that happened in the campaign that never got paid off? And yes. Will, or, uh, yeah. The <laughs> and they're kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe we can come back and deal with that in another campaign sometime. Yes. He's like, this this campaign was too short. And he's like, it was ten <laughs> hours. <laughs> Which is exactly, I mean, it's the metaphor for the for the show. It's, it's mm-hmm. really great storytelling. Um, we have not talked about Eleven very much yet. And I feel like we should. One, one thing that's interesting about her is for her hero's journey, like our or the 1980s world, which I love the setting of the 1980s, that's her unknown world. <laughs> like her transition. Her known world is all the weird government conspiracy right. stuff. But she comes into the 1980s 
and everything is weird. And like, she's fascinated by television. She's fascinated by the food, you know, and, and she has to have the, the three boys as kind of her guides. Yeah. It is very E.T. There's a very, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a certainly an E.T. kind of feel about her experiencing the world. So on Facebook, we put out on our fan page a question if anyone had any thoughts about Stranger Things. And listener Jesse said, I love the juxtaposition of Elle's or Eleven's boundless power contrasted with her intense naivete and vulnerability. Many superheroes with that much power aren't given such intense weaknesses, right, superhero experts? Perhaps we're seeing her at the beginning of her journey before she has come into her own. Um, and definitely we see a transformation in her, uh, throughout, um, like she's unable to care for herself at the very beginning. She needs that very nice gruff diner guy. And I love that diner guy. I'm I very sad. I'm so shot. sad when he gets shot. <laughs> was... There's way too many characters that just die unnecessarily. Well, and I think it is show. one of the strengths of the show is that, um, these side characters, exactly. they give them full personalities, yep. even if they're very small amount of screen time. Like it's not just stock character. It reminds you know, me you... of, um, somebody was talking about. Uh, like Apple computers and their design. And this was in kind of in the heyday of this Steve Jobs era. And they were saying that, um, that like Apple, when they design a computer, they design the whole thing, the front and the back. And, and like Johnny Ive, if he was designing a, like a chest of drawers, that he would pay as much attention to the back of the chest of drawers that would be up against a wall as he does the front. Like the whole thing, the whole thing has to be designed. And, um, and I feel that way about the show. Like everything is done carefully. Um, and there's no, there's no throwaway like, oh, nobody's going to care about Barb. So we don't need to develop her or, um, or the restaurant owner or the science teacher, or even like the mom and the dad, you know, like these these naive mom and dad, the dad's like, (laughs) it's the government. They're on our side. We just have to trust them. It's like, you're the worst dad ever. I know. And it's so, yeah, he's, yeah, he is, I mean, on the second watch, I'm just like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Like, he's like the complete like not what you want right. your child to become yeah, in the future. But, uh, anyway, I just love that about this about the show. Right, I was saying, uh, Eleven at the very beginning, like she is helpless in our world, um, and it's not just her superpowers, but like she's got to gain some understanding of how this world works from the boys, right, right from the trio, uh, and we see that at, you know by the end she's starting to function a little bit more uh, within this, but. I, I agree with listener Jesse. Like she's not a master of both worlds at the end of this yet. No, not even close. One of the most like aha moments that that happens is when she finally comes face to face with quote unquote father who that actor always just plays the creepy. Like he's one of those creep. actors like, that I don't know his name, but I know him. I've seen him in things. Yeah. Like he is always just like the creeper. I don't know what his deal is, you know, but, but that moment when he's, when he, you know, out, you know, outstretched hand says, Eleven, I'm going to take you home, and we're going to fix this. We're going to do this. We're going to fix it. And she looks at him and says, "Bad men." And he and he's like, "What? Like, I have no control over you anymore. This is bad news." And then, like it, it, like she has evolved and realized that you know this person that she's thought was her father or quote unquote had that title and was taking care of her, and he was the person that would take her away when she got hurt. Or when she, you know, outstretched herself and all this stuff, she realized that he, you know, during the course of her life was hurting her in a way that wasn't necessary. And it's very, it's a very powerful scene. I mean, it's, yeah, anyway. Okay, so the the actress for Eleven, her name is Millie Bobby Brown, and she has so few lines, like, but she emotes so much with her face. It is incredible. The layers 
that you can feel happening, and it's the context of the scenes and the way it's edited and the directing, but also, like, her facial acting lets you see multiple layers of emotion, like, running through her face at the same time. And I'm really impressed with her. Um, and she, there was a story I read of her, like, dad saying, do you want me to run lines with you? And she had, like, four lines for the next two days of shooting, because she <laughs> says, like, one-word sentences. <laughs> so they ran them, and she's like, thanks, dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, it also makes her delivery of those lines, like, when she says, bad man, like, it, it gives... Mm-hmm it gives it more oomph because she said so little. One of my other favorites is um, when she first sees the bullies at the school and she just leans over to, um, uh, what's what's his name? The main boy uh, of the trio. To Mike. And she leans over to Mike and just goes, mouth breathers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a great insult towards them. Um, question. Question. W- Go ahead. Where'd the cotton-filled body come from? Is Okay, yeah, he didn't explain that very well. So... Is so it, the, government, the government provided a yeah, the government, fake corpse yeah, yes. to, to try to to try to make it so that the the mom would stop. Would, okay. would stop trying to that's, find out. That's and what one I of thought, the, and so that Hopper would sure stop because Hopper was that, Hopper was on to the government even before this. Like he knew that they were lying to him when he went to the lab. They showed him um, surveillance video of the night of the of of Will's disappearance, and it was I think it was clear skies. Um, and it was rainy that night, and so he knew that that they they were lying to him. So he was kind of on to them, even before Will's body showed up. And also, it said that the uh, like the city coroner that Hopper always works with was uh, taken off. Uh, someone from state came down to do this one autopsy, and and wouldn't let the coroner look at the body, which made Hopper more suspicious, obviously. Well, and Hopper's such a fun character too, because at the beginning you think that he's just this deadbeat cop that doesn't really care and is just like whatever, and then he evolves too. Like his character uh-huh. just gets more and more rich as the time, as time goes on. And so he's one of the, yeah, I agree. We find out that he had, he, he had been married. His daughter uh, died like of his cancer. His layers just get so awesome. And yeah. he, 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 who you expect him to be at the very beginning of the show is clearly not his real, who <laughs> who who he really is. And he's just kind of, in this rut because of all these horrible things that have happened to him. And then when he finds a purpose, which is, Hey, you know what? I think I just have bad luck because, you know, I've lived in this town for 20 years and the worst thing that's ever happened is, you know, I had to, I don't remember what it was. It was an owl attack. Someone's but, hairdo. Oh yeah. Owl <laughs> attack on a lady's hair. Cause she thought it was a nest. <laughs> or the, yeah. Yeah. And so, and he's even talking to, you know, his quote unquote girlfriend. I don't know. And and he's just like I gotta go and and then he he becomes one of the you know quintessential heroes of this show just out of I, I love it sheer luck, I love it I when guess. Hopper goes into the know, library his... to do research and the librarian is has been like one of his one night stands and she just gives him all this lip she gives him this withering look and she's like oh you need some help now you know not even a like hey I had a great time you know I'll call you later or something and and Hopper looks just mortified at this and then he he he, he kind of shifts like uncomfortably and then he goes um i don't know maybe we could like uh go get something to eat next week or something <laughs> she's like i don't want to go out <laughs> but yeah he is uh, definitely down on his luck and yeah but he turns into this like at the end when when they when he's captured they take him into the lab and he's like okay, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. And he's just completely in control of that situation. He becomes Han Solo. Totally. 
And you're like, what? But, but his opening montage, like, there's a little montage and edited of his, like, morning routine. Mm-hmm. And he, like, he wakes up asleep in his jeans uh, without a shirt on. He's got this gut hanging out. And he walks out onto his deck and smokes. And then he goes and, like, brushes his teeth as he's smoking and then throws back some pills and swashes it down with a half-empty beer can that's sitting on his bathroom sink. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, like uh, Nick was saying, he... You, you don't think this is going to be the hero of the story. His, his like, police outfit is too tight because he's put on weight. Yeah. and all, you know, they, So many little touches, and he, he doesn't shave that morning. But it is a 100% transformation that happens as he becomes invested in this effort to save a child, and you know it's because he lost his child. Like uh-huh. you, you don't mess with children with Hopper. Right. <laughs> he, has, he has one of the best quotes in it, too, because after he's you know cleaned himself up, quote-unquote, to go into work, <laughs> He walks in and the secretary says, hey, we've got, you know, Joyce here and, sh- and she really needs to talk to you. And he's like, wait, hold on. After my coffee. And she's like, no, no, you really need to talk. And he's like, what have I told you? Mornings are for coffee and <laughs> contemplation. After that is done, then I will get to it. And he walks into his office and Joyce is like waiting. And she's like, I've been here an hour. And he's like, hold on, hold on, just wait. You know, and he just seems so like. I'll get to you when I'm ready. And, you know, it's just such a classic scene. Um, yeah, he's a great actor, great character. And it's also um, just good storytelling because it's kind of like the monster where you find out hints of his backstory throughout the series, but you don't actually find out that his daughter died from cancer until it's episode seven or eight. I think it's eight. Or, yeah. When they're right in the, the upside down. End. Yeah, right at the very yeah, end. Eight. Yeah. He's reading stories to her. Oh, don't. I'm going to. Okay. There's emotions. You feel things. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's just kind of, it's like him reading a story and then it cuts to him weeping in a stairwell like ugly crying in a stairwell yeah. and yeah it's hard to watch there's so many good characters in yeah. this show and like sometimes just the writing in it will just sum up their character like beautifully like like Winona Ryder who plays Joyce his his mom there's a scene where uh, I don't remember who comes over but he's like you are a mess i think it's her ex-husband is there or maybe maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's the police chief. I don't know. But somebody comes over and he's like, look, you need to stop this. This is ridiculous. You know, we're having. Oh, yeah, it is her ex-husband. We're having our. It's her ex-husband. Yeah, we're having our son's funeral today. What are you doing? And she says, uh, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. So it's like, maybe I'm a mess. Maybe I'm crazy. And maybe I'm out of my mind. But God help me. I will keep the lights up until the day I die. If I think there's a chance that Will's still out there. And then after that is when she, you know, breaks down the wall and, like, you know, I mean, and, 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 yeah. you know, I mean, that just sums up her character. Yeah. Just in, in. How do you, how did he not get killed? Who? Will? Oh, yeah. dude. He's like, good at hiding. They say he's good at hiding. And he's also hiding in. And he wasn't bleeding. Yeah. And he was also hiding in his, <laughs> oh. like, secret fort that they, that's out in the like, woods. they're, in they're the, out in their in woods. The, in the Upside Down. The Upside Down is in a the mirror of our world. So when I think about our food? world. He is starving when they find him. Like, he's he's comatose. Yeah. How many days does he last out there? About a week. It's about a week. He's not in a good shape yeah. when they find him. So, and he was hooked up to some sort of alien tube down his throat. Demon thing that they had to pull out. Wait. <laughs> yeah, when they find him, they have to rip something out of his body. Oh, I forgot so, about we that. we don't know what that is? Nope, we don't know anything about that. I totally forgot to mention that, but yeah, that's true. They pull this thing out of his mouth, and that's it's okay. part of that that's still inside of him. Yeah. Um, awesome. And... Yeah, so maybe, I mean, we're a little low, but this is just such great cast. So maybe let's run through and say something that's our favorite about these characters um, or the performances because, or, or like that's what, oh, well, I guess there's one thing. We've heaped so much praise. I want to say there's two moments that don't quite work for me. Like, I love the payoff, but the buildup doesn't ring true. Uh, one is there's this key plotline for Jonathan, so Will's older brother that is kind of this creepy outsider. Um, they, they need him to take the pictures of 
Nancy for oh, like yeah. the tension that builds <laughs> between their relationship throughout the series. But like he just stops his car and starts walking through the woods taking pictures, and it's odd. Like I remember thinking, what is he doing? And later on, you realize, oh well, they needed him to go and be near the house party and take some pictures that are going to be creepy and add to that. But the build up to him get, reaching that point didn't work for me. Or he just says, I was looking for my brother. Yeah, when they he, say, what were you doing? He says, I was looking for my brother. Which, right. But this which time he has his camera, which he's never had his camera out before. It just didn't. Okay. Like, I think, it's just I think it's a more, really, more really creepy thing to do. Like, just yes. Yeah, you can't come back for that. Random, like, some people want Nancy and, like, and him to get together, but no. Yeah, they try to redeem this later on, and it's like, no, you're just still a really creepy dude that just so happens to, you know, believe that but you, Will's alive. You know, who, you know, you know like, who's not creepy? Barb. <laughs> but she's dead. No, Barb's not at all. <laughs> but she died. No, but I think it's funny how, like, like in that scene, like he's he's clearly creeping on Nancy. Yes, like, no, I agree. At least with that. to me, like he's he's just he's just peeping Tom, like following Nancy, and then he just says, "Oh, oh uh, I, I was caught," you know, like I was caught. Crap! What? Oh, I was just looking for my brother. Right, but he was clearly like watching her. Like, but I mean, that's creepy, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but but the way they got to him watching her with the camera, like, it's just an odd moment. And the other one that's weird, like, I love Eleven's hero shot. Like, I praise that when she walks up uh, when the bullies are threatening Mike and sure. yeah, he, he's jumped. But they randomly came across the bullies in the middle of the woods, and one of them pulled a knife on Dustin. <laughs> like, all of that was weird. <laughs> like, the, the bullies just happened to be in the woods. So again, the buildup didn't work, but the payoff was great. Uh. Uh, and, and so there's a couple of those moments where I'm like, I just wish there'd been another pass on the storytelling to make sure the payoff was really earned. Well, and they they do talk about the bullies like in the first episode or the second episode. Like, I mean, they have that small scene, mm-hmm. and then it's like they're still trying to, you know. I mean, he he's mad. He's mad because she made him pee his <laughs> pants, and he didn't know why. Yeah. She made his, like why he peed his pants, but he's like, she's weird. You know, and so I think that he was out looking for him. The bullies were out looking for him. I think him. the bullies were like, dude, we're going to go beat these. In yeah, the we're going to go out and beat these guys <laughs> up. And then, yeah, well, I mean, that's where they are. Like, so that's their town. That's where people hang out. And they probably knew that these weirdos who like to hang out in their hut that, you know, and play Dungeons and Dragons were probably out there looking for their friend. And so that that's how I that's how I viewed it. You know, no, and no, I, I don't think that. we need more. Of the bullies. I think they were, right. they were perfect, you know, but yeah, that was... No. <laughs> I actually... Let's I'm still thinking it. about Jonathan, sorry, but... <laughs> I actually really like Jonathan. Um, and... I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's because uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about, like, um, disabilities and, uh, you know, like, autism studies and stuff, but... He's definitely – there's definitely a vibe coming from him. And when he's in the dark room with her and she says, you know, like, why did you do that? And he says, I don't know. Like, I know it was wrong. And um, I don't know. There's just – like, there's something th- – there's certainly something off with him. Uh, but I – I don't know. I, I feel more inclined to chalk it up to, like, <laughs> like there's he, there's something going on with him than, it, than to just say, like, he's a total creeper. Um because I think that his heart is well, good, his, like his, his heart excuse, is in the right place, and I'm totally willing to buy yeah. that he was out there, like legitimately looking for his brother. I don't think that he took the camera following uh, Nancy. No, I don't think he went to the house party to take pictures. He just happened to be in the woods. With no, the he was in the woods happening. with the camera, which is, I mean, like may or may not be weird, but if you're, you know, if you're a photographer 
and you're looking for your lost brother, I don't think it's a too far of a stretch to think that you're in the woods with a camera, you know, like in the place where your brother was last seen, and you have a camera with you because maybe you come across a clue and you want to take a picture of it. I don't think that's weird at all. And then he hears screams, and he runs towards the screams, and then he sees the party, and then that's when he starts taking pictures of the party, and that's weird. But I, but I think it's weird because there's something, um, like, off with him. Uh more than like he's just a creeper. He says that his ex- his excuse, I guess, is that people are fake. Everyone around him is fake. And there's usually one moment when people are real and he tries to capture that moment on film. Okay, you know, that's a beautiful statement. But you still don't take a picture of a girl while she's got her shirt off in 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 yeah, you know right. like in a <laughs> you know in a even window. if you didn't like yeah. plot your way to be the peeping tom, you don't take that picture. Yeah, even right. even if that is a beautiful moment, right? <laughs> you don't take that picture. And and you can't like I know there are some viewers who were upset that Nancy was back together with um what's the punk's name Steve at the end, and because they Steve. wanted him, her to be with Jonathan. But you can't redeem that relationship when it starts no. with that point. No, and and even even Nancy and Steve's relationship is yeah. I don't want terrible. her to be Steve, but I can't I mean, see her with Jonathan either. It, it it's it, I mean it it goes up there with like Bella and Edward and Fifty Shades of Grey and like any other like totally dysfunctional relationship where they shouldn't be together. But um, I think I think that that also shows a depth of Nancy's character because she still is just kind of a naive girl that like wanted the popular boy to like him. And then she gets over that, uh... but at the same time, she still goes back to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But he, he I mean, he did redeem himself in her mind, right? By attacking a Demogorgon and saving her life. We do also see some, I feel like I have to defend everybody tonight. Oddness there. I don't know. I don't don't know the psychology of that. um, Like he has (laughs) moments where, you know, he tells his friends off. He feels bad that they're making fun of her. Uh, He goes to clean the... To clean the the spray paint off of the wall, they've he's they've spray painted yeah. some kind of horrible things about her on a wall, and he goes to the sh- to the shop owner and says, "I want to you know I want to help clean this up." Like he's trying to make amends for what he's done. There's certainly evidence of change. Yeah. It's not like it's not like he's a total jerk and then he beats up the monster and then they're together. Um, I think there's there's more to it than that. I still don't yeah. like the fact that they're together at the yeah. end. Just like I can't justify. I mean, I can't say that that Jonathan is not wrong in doing what he's doing, but I think that the reason that he's wrong in doing what he's doing is not because he's a jerk, but because there's something going on with him. Like he has he has some kind of condition that makes him uh, not not act in accordance with what he knows is right, and that's not an uncommon thing. It's called timing, right? Where somebody, I mean, this happens with kids where. Um, They'll make a mistake, and you'll say, why did you do that? And they'll say, I don't know. I know it was wrong, but I don't know why I did it. And the reason is because it's like rhythm and timing. Like the timing in their brain doesn't, it doesn't work right. And so they see, they see an opportunity to act, and then they act, and then their brain catches up with them and says, that was the wrong thing to do, but it's too late. Like the act has already been done, and it's maddening for parents but it's also really comforting as a parent when you learn that this is what's going on with your child because then rather than thinking like my child is a horrible person you think how can i help my child to develop to a point where his brain and his actions like like his thinking part of his brain and his acting part of his brain are in sync with each other and i think with jonathan they just they just aren't and so he sees an opportunity to act and he does 
And then later he goes, I don't know why I did that. And I think, honestly, he doesn't know why he did it. It's not a premeditated, like, I'm going to do this horrible thing because I'm a creepy person. It's just, that's, I think that's what's going on with him. Mm. And when he says, like, I don't, I don't know how to talk to people. Like, I'd rather, when he says, you know, I'd rather observe people than talk to him. He has so many, like, signs, there's signs that there's something not right with him. I I agree with that. um, and I don't know, maybe that endears him to me more. I think that happens <laughs> but, uh, a lot I just in wanted this to circle back show. to something Nick said about uh, Nancy being back with Steven. I was talking about this with my sister Kate, and she said, because I complained that she was back with Steven, she just said, it's such a teenage girl thing to do, though, <laughs> to go back <laughs> to the popular pretty boy, <laughs> if you have that chance. Well, and, and he he becomes so much less of a popular pretty boy, like, during the course of his, of us knowing right, he him. He alienates yeah. himself from the, the, from yeah. the popular clique. He alienates his friend, his face gets beaten to a pulp and then in his moment of like i'm gonna run away because i'm scared he sees the lights flickering and he goes back like he goes into danger and those are all those are all signs that he has changed and so why don't we give him an opportunity to change because he's good looking you know like because he had been a jerk in the past like we're so in stories we're so willing to let people be redeemed except people that we don't like then we then we don't want them to be redeemed and i think that part of that stems from the fact that they are trying to mirror or they're paying homage to 80s shows yeah and that doesn't happen in 80s (laughs) shows like hardly ever and so that's what makes this show so good too is that it's breaking the norm of what we expect to happen and it bothers us. Yes. Right? Because we we expect we expect Barb to live, right? We we expect you know the pretty boy to either become the die, you know, you <laughs> which know, I, uh, I think okay. I read that that was yeah, the first die, Steve was going to die or, or, or still be a jerk. Or, yeah, or 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 you know, he redeems himself, you know, like Greece and or be know, publicly humiliated yeah, in the no. end and lose status. Yeah, yeah, or or whatever, but none of that happens. Um, you know, and the and and so you know, it hurts us. It hurts our, you know, it hurts our expectations. And so we talk about it and then we think, oh, yeah, that is better. <laughs> it's interesting that um, we've talked about on the show. Um, I think you guys talked about it on your show also when you were talking about um, uh, ripoffs and remakes and how you know, there's two ways to make great art. One is to be completely original and the other one is to follow a, a model so well that it just, it works. And I, I think this is such a great example of, of following... I mean, we've talked about the homage to Spielberg and to all of these great 80s adventure films, and they're so carefully following, um, you know, plot lines and uh, and a visual like look, and then and then they break it in. All, it seems like they break it in all the right places, like to to make it more interesting, and it's just it's really great storytelling. All right, final thoughts. I want to hear everyone's favorite character besides Barb. Oh man, that's hard. You got one minute to think of it. Okay, I'm dead serious. D- Dustin is definitely my favorite. That was my pick, Dustin. Yeah, Dustin is is my favorite. He just everything he says is charming, and he makes me laugh a lot. I think my favorite part is when he's talking about the lunch lady. <laughs> he knew she was hoarding the chocolate pudding. Yeah, <laughs> and he's going to help. I mean, and the whole his whole motivation is to help Eleven. But he's like, dude, this is something that's on my mind. <laughs> I'm going to use it so that I can help my friend. And then they're like, dude, Dustin, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to get chocolate pudding. I know, that the, I know that the lunch lady's been hoarding it. And then he finds it, and he's like, oh, I knew she's been hoarding this. Hey, I found the chocolate pudding! You know, like, and they're like, 
okay. And he's like, she needs to refuel. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, I mean, there's so many scenes with him that are just awesome. Yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. Todd, do you have one? Um, I really love Eleven. I think she's really interesting. I'm really excited to see what happens with her in the future. But I think um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's performance is really, I mean, it's outstanding. Um, the way that she walks that line between um, this like iron strength and and total vulnerability, I think is it's a beautiful thing to watch. And just the look in her eyes and there's so many subtle things that she does. It's it's awesome. I love it. I mean, Dustin is hilarious, and I think Lucas has great moments. I think Jonathan is a fascinating character. Um, you know, Joyce is <laughs> – this is not one character, but, I mean, man, that performance by Winona Ryder is also just yeah. outstanding. Top-notch casting all the way. Like, really? I think when we talked about the Outsiders movie, and we're like, looking back, this was an amazing cast that was put together. I think there's not a weak leak in this cast no. either. No, not at all. All right, I have I have an honorable mention for Jennifer Hayes. She's the girl that cries at Will's wedding. <laughs> funeral? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, funeral. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, yes. What are yes, we Will's about? wedding that's Was in the future. No, no. <laughs> Jennifer Jennifer Hayes. I love, the, and it's also a Dustin line when he's like, just wait until I tell Will that Jennifer Hayes was crying at his funeral. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Nick. Again, listeners, you can go see his art at nickenglishart.com, and that is with a K, no C, correct? Absolutely. It's the German way. Oh, that's right. Our producer, Andrew, who's very concerned about the length of this episode, just reminded us (laughs) that when we have guests on for the first time, Nick, we ask them, uh, dinner party, if you could have any three to five fictional characters for a dinner party just to enjoy the conversation for an evening, what (sighs) three to five fictional characters would you want? Maybe we should hold it at three tonight. (laughs) Okay, so um, anyone ever, I would go with um, Jack Kirby. Non-fictional character, but I will take that. Listeners, Jack Kirby is the artist who created everything. (laughs) All all the comic book stuff. Every every comic book ever. (laughs) Um, I would also go with... um, Oh, golly, you guys are really... Don't worry, there's no pass or fail on this. <laughs> I wish I would have thought about this all day because I would have had a really good one. Um, one? I would say the Doctor from Doctor Who. Um, okay. Well, my favorite's Tenet, so number 10. I, uh, he's I he's have my most favorite of the Doctors. He's my favorite too. Um, and then I think my last one would be um, I just want to hang out with my grandpa again. Oh, well, that's sweet. That's really he, nice. He um, said there's no pass fail, but you passed. You passed. <laughs> <laughs> he... Um, he he passed away while I was on my mission and um, while I was serving for uh, a mission in the LDS church. Um, and he actually died on Christmas Day. Um, but we used to go over to his house every Sunday. And um, if you have a, a real-life hero, he would be it. When Todd was talking about, you know, people grow, it reminded me of something my grandpa said. And I always just give it to him. I just credit him, but I'm sure that he got it somewhere else. And I just always credit him. Um, but he said there's three types of people in this world. There's the type of people that make a mistake and then keep making it. And then there's a, there's people who make a mistake and learn from it. And then there's the third person is people who see other people make mistakes and don't make those same mistakes. And which type of person do you want to be? And that's something that's always been carried with me my whole life. So the end. Wow. Well, Thank you, Nick. 
That wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes, and please leave us a review. Uh, that really helps us out. Links to everything we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com, and you can also find a list of all of our old shows there. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss, or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. And we're all on Twitter. You can follow at ProtagonistPod, at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Nick, do you have social media you'd like to promote? Nick English Art on everything. Okay. And uh, please follow our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. And if you'd like to help the show financially, uh, you could buy a topic for us to discuss by going to uh, patreon.com slash protagonist. And we appreciate all of our patrons who donate a little money to help us keep doing this. And all supporters on Patreon also receive access to our special quick cast episodes, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films or talk about trailers for our upcoming films. And we would just remind you one more time to please use protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon to make all of your Amazon purchases. Just a reminder, it looks like regular Amazon, and it costs you nothing, but it gives us a little bit of a kickback from Amazon. So thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to talk about another great character and a great story. So long. So long. Three. Okay, so... um. I've heard you guys talk about this, and I had something that I thought of if I ever was going to be on, and now I can't <laughs> even think about it. Um, now that I'm on the spot, okay. So let's go with um, anything wide three open. Three characters from anything. And don't worry, you can take a minute because Andrew can trim the minute of thought. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a minute. This was I'm a great gonna take discussion. a minute. I yeah. agree. That was super fun. It's a shame I'm going to have to cut so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, kidding. I, I, I'm I'm kidding. Fine if this is our no, longest No, just keep them long. Just say this is an extra no, long addition it, because it, we it had still isn't the longest tangled. It might be. <laughs> no. I, I, it's not as bad as when we did uh, 